everybody, and welcome to your daily dose, daily teacup, daily glass of positivity, a show where teens talk about all the uplifting and inspiring things and news happening in the world today, or today we're diving into good news and bad news and a bittersweet, but remembrance of Alex Trebek, as well as some COVID vaccine updates, which is throwback to episode one, I think, and a lot more things too. I'm Carter Dwork, joined by Kaylee Richmond and Sasha Gupta. Welcome, everybody. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hello, hello. I think to, to begin, how about some some personal good news? What's happening in your lives that is good news? Hmm. Not much. I made croissants from scratch this weekend. That's so really cool. Fun. That sounds good. Yeah. It was very time consuming, but honestly not that hard. So if anyone's interested, I used a recipe from Sally's Baking Ad- Addiction. Um, and yeah, it wasn't that hard and there weren't many ingredients involved, which is always good. That's very fun. Pastry's hard, like getting the layers and then like, that's a lot of like work. So it's very cool. I want to make croissants now. I might be doing beignets in the future. So that'll be fun. I, I enjoy cooking. Um, I'm not the, I'm not really that great at baking. I've had, um, experiences with baking fails. Um, my sister's really good at baking. I'm um if we have time for a short story I don't know if if I've already said this you like cut me off but one time last year uh, for her birthday party um the plan was that I would make brownies from a box so there were two boxes of brownies and um my mom's vegan so like this is before we didn't really keep any eggs in the house because none of us would really eat Mm -hmm. it so um I thought I had to make like those flax eggs things so I got like flax seed out and I was supposed to substitute like one tablespoon per egg and I don't know why I read a one cup of flaxseed per egg which is obviously oh no. flaxseed so this thing was very um fl- these brownies are very flaxseedy and I put them in the pan and then um the they were looking like really dry so I thought maybe I put some water over them while they were in the pan yeah I know this is like super super um horrifying and then because they were so watery I thought I should double the baking time so I doubled them from 30 to 60 minutes we got some very rock hard oily flaxy brownies and anyways they went in the trash and my sister ended up getting a cookie cake from Wegmans Wegmans cookie cakes though that's so were they steamed brownies like I feel like if you put water on top of brownies and put them in the oven when you open that it's gonna be like steaming right yeah no I mean it would have been fine but for some reason I thought that they were still too wet so then I like put them in for an extra half an hour so I think that's what like if if they were just flaxseedy then maybe they wouldn't have been that bad but because of like all that flaxseed they also became super oily and rock Mm. hard when I doubled the time so anyways I'm not allowed to bake my sister cakes anymore (laughs) I do enjoy cooking over a stove instead of the oven valid I'm like the opposite. I kind of grew up learning how to bake more than I did cooking. And now cooking is very stressful to me because like with baking, all of the ingredients have to be like perfectly measured. Like all the proportions have to be good. And then cooking, it's like, oh, just throw this in there, throw that in there. And it kind of works out. And I'm like, no, we need to measure out the teaspoon of salt. We need to measure out this. And it just definitely like, I don't know. I think my baking side influences my cooking side. And I also have a really hard time cooking things that are really easy. Like I simply cannot cook rice I have trouble cooking pasta but then like I'll make like homemade croissants like I don't get it yeah I feel, I feel like 
to um to me like for example baking is easier because you like put everything in a bowl and then you just transfer like the bowl to the pan and then put it in the oven it should be like done ideally whereas cooking you have to like you like have to cook like for example the onions and you have to add random things to the pot and like you know you have to keep like adding things you keep on having to watch and make sure nothing gets burnt before so I feel like in that sense also cooking you know is more you have to be a little bit more attentive to it mm -hmm. so I don't know why I'm a bad baker but um I think it's also because baking has like proportions and stuff of things and you have to be really careful with how much of stuff you put yeah for sure I'm much more of that like meticulous like just I think the way my brain operates of like this is a cup and like like even I'll go into the um like weights like baking See? with like grams is also really fun like and that's super precise and I'm just like mm -hmm. so when it is cooking it's like oh there's a few pinches just do it to taste I'm like no no we need we need measurements and like exactly. it is a it's a different gambit I think they both have you know the good qualities and the bad qualities but I'm learning cooking more than I've like I feel like I'm pretty good with baking and I'm learning cooking yeah definitely like my mom whenever she cooks and like my mom's like we're pretty good at cooking she like literally she doesn't look at any recipes or anything she'll just go and go in and come go out and like you know it'll be fine whereas I have to look at a recipe even if like I made a dish yesterday like an Indian dish that I've made like probably at least seven times in the last you know couple months like it's like a pretty simple thing but I still looked at the recipe just to make sure I have it right and make mm -hmm. sure I have like the measurements right and everything just so it could be you know at least perfect from my end so I I have to look at and make sure that everything's correct because I know that I had a family friend once who was saying that before her grandma passed away this is like an older family friend like before her grandma was a super good cook so one day before her grandma um passed away she'd like would like rush around her in the kitchen and like try to get measurements of stuff so that way she could copy her grandma's recipes after she died but um because her grandma would never use a recipe she just like toss random things and then the food would just be incredible mm. that's cool I, that's fun i feel like the more experience you get with like cooking and even baking like the more comfortable you get without like with not using a recipe like I, I have these croissants on the mind but like when I was making them like I, I followed the recipe but like you know she said to chill it in between some of the laminations which is basically where you're rolling out the dough to make the layers with the butter and I like didn't chill it because I knew my dough was cold enough but like had it been new like two or three years ago I'd been like okay we need to go chill it now and I think that that's why like you see so many older people who are just like oh throw this in throw that in like I don't have measurements and so I feel like it's definitely like the more you cook and bake the more comfortable you get with kind of just trusting your instincts absolutely I agree with that completely is that like in any skill the more that you learn things the easier it comes to you and like it's muscle memory it's just kind of you know what things work and you know how they're going to combine and react it's cool it is like fun to to learn and to like continue to grow in that and yeah I think oh what's up Oh, no, I said definitely, like, I agree completely with you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'd say good news happening in my life. I mean, this is just more news, but it's, like, good and bad. The uh, trimester comes to a close next week as of listening to this, and I have exams then, and I have no idea what's going to happen because I don't know if it'll be, like, hoping school will be, like, in person, in session, I mean, I'm kind of in a hybrid anyway, so it doesn't affect me that much. But like, we very well could have school shut down before then. I hope not. But um, that's just news. But it also means that there's a new try, new classes. And that's always exciting to have 
new things. Hopefully I can get back into band and some other classes that I've had to forego this first trimester because of how weird everything's been. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's like similar to, I guess, my good news. Like my, like our core, we, we have it in quarter. So our quarter ended yesterday, but um, so I guess like it does like bring a little bit like of a sort of fresh start because first quarter of junior year didn't necessarily go the way I probably wanted it to. But of course with COVID and everything, I'm trying not to be too hard on myself, but at least that means that, you know, next quarter I have an opportunity to change things and make things better in a sense. And um, yeah, and and also like, I don't know if this is like, this is probably not necessarily good news, but with like, you know, COVID cases rising and stuff, definitely like adds a lot more stress. I'm trying to like do more things to make sure I'm like on top of things and less stressed. Absolutely. Yeah. I've yeah. traditionally always like the first two quarters have always been so rough for me. So, you know, take it from, I mean, I don't know how much experience I have over you, but like it always does get better. My quarter also ends this Friday. I think this Friday they like pushed it from the Wednesday, which is today, it's supposed to end today, and then they pushed it to Friday. But I'm actually like very happy that it's ending because as someone who's applying places early decision, um, you have to send in your first quarter grades, which is very stressful because there's not a lot of room for error. You can't really bring it up with another quarter. So kind of happy for that to be over. And I'm happy with how most of my grades are turning out, which is like life is so much more than grades, of course, but it is, it's nice to kind of have that stress of first quarter over. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, I I'm totally not. agree with what you mean by like, it gets a little bit better. Like last year for one of my classes, I, well, I, it wasn't like I had a bad grade the first two quarters. I had like a, like a decent grade, but like the third quarter, my grade was super high and like super good. And then of course that's when COVID happened. So then my school went to pass fail. Same. So that anymore. That sucks. My school just kept the grades, but like we got like minimal work after that. And it was like, wasn't graded as hard. So I was able to just like pull hundreds in AP classes just because like, it was like three total assignments that were based on classwork and that was it. And so that was fun. That was a weird time. But um, if you're ready to jump on into things, I think the first story, um, is Saisha, and kind of all of us, I think we shared this on at least the Instagram like a few days ago when it happened, mm -hmm. but we've lost Alex Trebek. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is what I wanted to make my story about. Um, This is, is definitely very sad for me um of course he did get to live like a pretty full life he was 80 so it wasn't like he you know passed away young or anything so I mean I'm glad that that got to happen and of course with his um pancreatic cancer diagnosis um last year it was sort of you know expected that it, and I feel like it's pretty um that he was able to like you know still hang on from March 2019 to November 2020 like I know some people who when they're diagnosed they like only have a few months so that's pretty um, good that he was able to do that but yeah Alex Trebek um Jeopardy was one of my favorite shows growing up every like not every weekday but I remember like probably like fifth sixth maybe seventh grade like like almost every day like at least the days that we didn't have swim practice we would watch Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy and Shark Tank like all back to back like me and my sister and my dad usually and it was just like really like this memory and I remember watching the um the Jeopardy teen tournament when I was in I think sixth grade maybe seventh grade whichever year it was either 2016 or 
was, I think it's 2016. And I watched the entire team tournament. And I remember the finale was on um, a day when I had swim practice and I convinced my parents to not go to swim practice just so I could watch the finale, which was kind of surprising because they usually didn't let me do that. But yeah, um, I have some facts about Alex Trebek's life. So he was born in Ontario in 1940, which is kind of cool because I was born there too. Um, he hosted 70, over 7,500 episodes of Jeopardy, which is a lot. Like, um, that's very crazy. And he was hired in 1984. So um, over 30 years. Sorry, I'm trying to do some math. Over 30 years. 36, um, yeah. 36 years yeah that's pretty good and he's nominated for 34 daytime emmys and he received a lifetime achievement award from like the um where is it he, from the i had it down here i don't know where it went sorry he received also like a lifetime achievement award from the um something for like a game show thing i Oh, from the Emmy. Sorry, that was kind of bad. <laughs> anyway, so he became a naturalized U.S. citizen in 1998, which I also think is cool because eventually that'll be something that I do too, because I'm not a U.S. citizen. And as we know, he um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in March 2019. He passed away this past Sunday, November 8th. And um, I just thought, like, as I said before, he's um, was definitely someone who touched a lot of hearts, you know, helped a lot of people in a sense and, um, you know, brought a lot of joy to many American families. And I definitely thought it was really cool. Like, you know, when I would watch it and we would always like make it a game, like me and my sister would like compete and try to see who would win more money and it would be fun. And um, of course, like, you know, every time we play Jeopardy in school, you think of Jeopardy, like, you know, the real one. And, you know, as like, you know, one of those quiz review or test review thing games and, he his last day of filming was October 29th, so like less than two weeks ago, and his last episodes will still be aired, and his last episode will air on Christmas Day, which is um, December 25th. There's 35 more episodes that will be airing, so um, you will still be seeing him until like almost the end of 2020, and yeah, I thought that I just wanted to share this because um, it's definitely a show that you know, it's definitely touched me a lot as, you know, a kid growing up, and I remember, like, I would even, like, read books about kids, like, I, there was this one book, I believe it's, like, something, like, Olivia Bean Trivia Queen that I read in, like, fourth or fifth grade, and, like, it, I actually, I actually took the test for Teen Jeopardy when I was, like, 12, like, it was a practice test, I don't think that I took, was able to take the actual test, but, um, yeah, I was very determined to, like, meet him and go on Jeopardy, like, when I was 12, and I, um, but anyways, yeah, I just wanted to share my sort of experiences with the show. And of course, Alex will definitely be very missed. But um, I'm glad that he was able to, you know, pass away with his friends and family nearby and have, you know, a pretty good life. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like, oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Jeopardy is one of those shows where almost everyone has a connection to it. I think it's hard to find a show like that, like, for example, so me and my sister, she's, oh, she's nine. I was about to say she's eight, but she's nine. Um, and so there's not a lot of TV shows that we watch together. Obviously, we have very different tastes and very different maturity levels, but we watch Jeopardy together on Netflix usually. And like, I personally, I played 
Jeopardy when I watch very differently than the average person. I kind of just shout out the first thing that comes to my head until I get it right or until they answer the question. And so we kind of just like do that all uh, together. And it's like a very fun thing that we get to share. And so, you know, I think it's amazing to see how many lives he's touched and how many people he's affected. And yeah, it's incredibly true. It is like, it is a cultural touchstone. Like I think everyone... I think everybody knows that Jeopardy theme song too. Like everybody knows, can like think of that melody and just to think of him up there. And there's been so much change. Like even if you look at like young Alex Trebek, Alex Trebek with the mustache, like mm-hmm. it's he's been around for so long. It's very cool to like, to watch him grow. I think it was incredible. It is pretty rare, honestly, to beat the one year mark for pancreatic cancer. And so that is a great achievement in and of itself. And it is like, I read his book over the book over the summer. I highly recommend it if you just kind kind of want to. It feels very like casual in a way. It's like it's just it feels like Alex Trebek sat down at a computer and wrote out basically his life story into a book. And it's really cool. It's really interesting. It bounces around, talks about his young life, Jeopardy time, talks about like Ken Jennings and the other contestant who like won a whole lot of Jeopardy, but like it's just really cool to like have him talk about that he talked about his diagnosis and his experience with that it was just very touching and so like you said like everyone has ties to this I remember more so it's me and my grandma like when she would watch me even when I was little even now if I'll like be at her house or hanging out or staying with her house like Jeopardy is still a thing that we like will watch together every once in a while I haven't seen her much during COVID of course like that was a big like kind of I think touchstone between like us of something so it's just really cool it's unfortunate to to hear about that it definitely kind of like it was hard it like gave me like a shock down my spine when I read it I'm like oh dang but you know he lived a really great life and I recommend this book to really read into that it's very fascinating some fun stories there and just he did it was cool to like it's sad to see him go but his legacy will absolutely live on and like just like last thing even for me like I feel like I've taken Jeopardy to like almost another level of like I'm on my school basically like quote unquote quiz bowl team which basically is like Jeopardy where it's like high like you know we like play matches and like basically answer like Jeopardy type questions and so that's another just kind of attachment to it where I always think about Alex and Jeopardy and that and when we, I'm in those I'm on my school masterminds team which I think is similar like to quiz mm-hmm. bowl I don't know why they call it differently here but um yeah say like same thing like I really enjoy trivia and it's definitely been like something that's always been a part of me and um you know watching Wheel of Fortune and then Jeopardy and of course Jeopardy is like that different vibe in a sense like you know Wheel of Fortune I would always like joke with my like sister obviously Wheel of Fortune is probably still like you know stressful but Jeopardy obviously is a different thing because you're not just guessing letters you're like guessing a whole answer and you know it's like it's just like you want to win but at the same time you want to have a good time while you're there and it's the stressful like you know I, I would always love it when I would like watch a show and then I wouldn't like watch for a few days because I'd like things and then I'd watch it again and then I'd still see the same person who won on the first day like on the fifth day because you know a couple people come over and over and again so I I'm wondering like like if I don't think they would end the show but like how they would you know replace him because that's obviously a great great person to replace like how how would one do that yeah I think in the book he talked about that briefly he even made the joke that I think he wanted a uh, Betty White to replace him He's like you know somebody younger somebody new how about Betty White and so I 
I think that'd be very fun, but I am really curious to see where they go from here. And I don't know. I have a lifelong lifelong ambition to be the next host of Jeopardy, but that'll probably never happen. But um, no, it seems very cool. It was cool to even like to go into his thought process of like how he hosted and like kind of how he employed certain things. And so, yeah, but I am curious to see where Jeopardy goes. And it's kind of fitting. It's kind of interesting that his last episode will be on Christmas. I think I read somewhere that like everyone in the studio had chills when they were shooting that final one like almost if they knew that there was something else going on but I don't know if that's true if that can be backed up but just really interesting that was like the last episode of the season or if he like like or if he just left because you know he wasn't feeling you know so I'm wondering like you know if he if he like in, in if that intentionally was his last day or not yeah, I don't know. I'm curious now too. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yes, I would definitely want to share that because, as I said before, it's definitely a show that I feel like has touched many hearts. And I think it said somewhere that. Um, oh, and there's also a Time article I think that Ken Jennings wrote um, reflecting on Alex Trebek that just came out. So I would suggest you re- read that if you want to do like any more reading on this or something because I read it. It was definitely very emotional. And Ken Jennings is, um, if you don't know, he's the person who um, he won 74 consecutive games and he won like a lot of money. And I think that's pretty cool. Like, I think this was. 16 years ago or something but it's still pretty um cool that like you know that's something that happened and I think he actually became like a part of the Jeopardy team somehow so I haven't I actually haven't watched the show in a while um like an actual episode besides you know watching random ones on Netflix from time to time but I I'm I sort of I want to watch the show but I think we don't have cable tv so I'll have to figure out how to do that they do have it on Netflix. I actually, I think it's leaving Netflix soon, which is really sad. I can't, it might be today, actually. I'm not sure. I'll have to uh, look that up. But yeah, definitely, if anyone out there wants to watch it, it is on Netflix. They have like kind of random episodes. They obviously don't have every single episode, but I think it's like a fun thing to watch, definitely. And, you know, it'll be definitely bittersweet to watch the um, it's finished Christmas December 27th. Uh, so I was wrong. It's not today, but uh, soon. But yeah, I think it'll be bittersweet to watch the Christmas episode because, you know, kind of knowing that that's the last time you'll see a new episode of his. Of course, there's always reruns, but, you know, it'll it'll be, I hope everyone uh, gets a chance to watch or just at least see some clips from it. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say, like, we share this on the Instagram, but I'd say the one clip if you want to watch, like, a really kind of heartwarming, heartwarming clip is I don't know the contestant's name unfortunately but I think if you google like we love you Alex I think it's Drew of core or something Drew the one who's right behind you yes the one who's my yeah. zoom background yeah um I'm saying I'll look it up I'm pretty sure it's Drew gore or something but I'll check I think you're right but it's just like on final jeopardy right if you don't know like you have to write down the answer and they, this was like again kind of in that moment of I think it was over the summer or it was over some time pretty recently and this he did not know the answer right and so he decided to it might have been right after he got his diagnosis if I'm not mistaken too so it was decided, a year ago from today so okay so yeah maybe he was, he was going back into like remission or something like that and he just told them and then he like wrote down on his answer um we love you Alex and then wagered like 
you know, $1,995 of his $2,000 he had. And it's just like really sweet. And you see Alex kind of get surprised and like start to well up a bit. And so that's a very kind of heartwarming clip that I love. Yeah, it's um, Drew Gorn. Yeah. So I think what had happened was like he and he bet like $1,995 out of his $2,000, which is um, pretty. And so, you know, I feel like most people would have taken a guess if, you know, you bet that much money, you're like, oh, okay, I might as well guess. And instead, you're we love you, Alex, which is definitely very heartwarming. And it's a very nice thing. So, um, yeah, go watch the clip if you haven't. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways, moving on to, I think if we're good there, um, bit of a throwback because if I'm not mistaken, I think the first story we ever did on here was some form of COVID vaccine update. That was before we had actual scripts, if you can believe it. And so I have no record of what we talked about that first episode. I guess we have the, the recording, but we have new COVID vaccine updates again. But this one is, I think, honestly, probably more definitive, more conclusive, and just very exciting, right? So it's circled around the news a lot, so you probably already know. But so a randomized blind trial done by Pfizer, who is like a big drug company, their COVID vaccine, their COVID-19 vaccine and a randomized trial proved to be 90% effective, which is incredible. And so it's very cool. It means that like this effect, this vaccine is very good, right? Like I think they said that like, a flu shot vaccine, 40 to 60% effective. The FDA, if it's like a rushed vaccine, lets it be 50% effective. Like that's the level. So if this stays, this is going to be a really good, it could be really cool development for the future. And it is so granted, it's still very early. Like this is so early on in testing and it's not going to be immediate, but it can, and it proves that there can be a vaccine for COVID-19 that is effective and can really work, right? And so basically what it does to get a little scientific, it uses RNA, which is a genetic molecule, to produce a protein that triggers an immune response, right? And it sends antibodies to attack it, right? And I believe applying my knowledge of advanced bio from last year, like when an antibody attacks a virus or protein, I believe the connect the T cells have to like mimic the shape of what this virus is and attach to it. And then that's what they fight it off, which means that when the virus comes back again, the T cells already have that shape and it means that the antibodies can attack you before you really get sick. So like technically people cannot get sick twice with the same virus, which means that if this is effective and granted COVID could very well mutate, but hopefully we can get, you know, different viruses or different mutations and it won't grow that different. This could really work. And it means that like another point that I saw, I think it was on Hank Green, even on TikTok made the point of like now makes it almost more important than ever to wear your mask and be very safe. Granted that people who don't get the virus now could very well never have to get the virus soon. Like if, I don't know about the home stretches, right? We're like, we're getting to places we haven't been before with this. And so it is very important to be safe, right? And there's still a lot of unknowns, but this is really powerful, very hopeful news. And so even like Dr. Anthony Fauci, of course, was said he was super happy about it and super excited and said that that rate is very like very very great to see and that more likely than not given if Pfizer could very well be the first of a few other drug companies that come out with what could be now potentially successful successful vaccines in clinical trials and so kind of lastly Pfizer said that there could be 30 to 40 million ready by the end of the year which could really get to about 15 to 20 million after they have a shot and like a three-week booster shot again three weeks later 
And I assume likely the first people who get it will likely be those in high risk and then healthcare workers. But that's just really, really cool to have this kind of update. I think I saw somewhere, and this could be totally wrong, so um, hopefully at some point I can fact check this, but I think I saw somewhere it said that like they were hoping to get to like healthcare workers and stuff like that by the end of the year and then high risks uh, shortly after that and then the general public by um, May. Now this could totally be wrong because I really haven't fact checked it, but I think that's a really exciting thing to hear. And again, to your point, like it means that it's so important to continue to wear your mask because it just like it decreases the spread and then that way like if we don't have to worry about keeping the spread under control we can focus more energy on vaccine production because obviously if we go through another lockdown and stuff like that the vaccine is not necessarily the thing that's on the forefront it's kind of just curbing this where it is so you know friendly reminder to wear your mask and be safe yeah, I know, especially with, you know, this whole crazy year, um, this year has definitely been a year like no other. And, um, you know, just something simple as wearing a mask in a grocery store or wearing a mask at school or wearing a mask when you are like playing a concert or something because I'm in orchestra. So like I have to wear a mask during the recitals now. And these are things like, you know, you never would have thought of before 2020, March 2020. And um I think that especially now with this sort of second wave that's arising, it's definitely making people a lot more cautious. I, um, this is, yeah, this is might be slightly off tangent, but I um, just read that Utah's governor is making them wear masks and he did not, he like the whole quarantine, he never enforced masks, never made masks mandatory. And on Sunday night, he made them mandatory, which is I think a pretty big step in um, sort of controlling this virus. And of course, the good news of the vaccine coming along, that'll also help maybe, um, you know, like decrease the risk. And of course, as I, I, as I was saying this before we started recording, but my county is now a yellow zone in New York state, meaning like 20% of the students are gonna have to, and staff that are at, at, in school are gonna have to get tested every week. I don't know how that's gonna look like yet, but it's just like these simple things that um, our people are trying to do just to try to reduce how many people are getting COVID and spreading this awful virus. So um, yes, yeah, to wear a mask, um, be vigilant over your surroundings. And, you know, of course, I it, it's definitely concerning when you like see people like, especially on social media and things, hanging out with friends without mm -hmm. masks um, during this time. Um, because I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna like say I was perfect or anything. I will, or I didn't wear a mask like in probably in like August and stuff when I was hanging out with friends, but that's because that we literally had zero cases. So, but now of course, if I hang out with a friend, I'll always wear a mask, but yeah. So be, just be um, vigilant of your surroundings, wear a mask and hopefully this vaccine will be some good news that helps. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's also important to point out that just because masks may not be mandatory in your area doesn't mean that you shouldn't wear one. There's lots of different reasons for people not making masks mandatory and there's a lot more politics and stuff that goes into it. And when, at the end of the day, when it's like, it's just wearing a mask and it's just, you know, basic human decency. And like, again, just like being aware of what you're doing and who you're hanging out with. Um, even if you like take pictures with friends with your mask off, you know, it's very different to stand next to your friend and take your mask off for a picture and don't talk and put it back on versus, you know, hanging out for hours without a mask on and with a ton of people. So it's all just about being smart, thinking about where you are, who you're with and, you know, what you're doing. 
but hopefully we can all get through this together and you know the end is so close it's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel is there and you know we're almost there we just keep uh being smart about what we're doing yeah I know. sorry oh, no go ahead I was going to say, especially because I feel like so many people's, you know, livelihoods, just like, you know, things like something simple, like going to school has been affected so much um, for a lot of people, even people who, even like people whose schools do go in person every day, like my friend's brother's schools going, it's, even though it's here, it's a Catholic private school, so it's um, going in person every day, like, you know, you still have to wear a mask, you still have to like do other things to be vigilant, like, you know, less sports and stuff like that, so I think everyone in a sense has been changed by this so the, the more we all work together the sooner that we can hopefully get out of this and I just think it's funny when I reflect back on March and I thought oh we're gonna we're only gonna be in quarantine until April 1st and then we're coming back to school and then April 1st turned into April 15th and then April 15th turned into like May and then May you know it just was like we're done for the rest of the year so it's definitely um something that's that I thought was gonna be over by like May so mm -hmm. it just I'm just hoping that it'll be over by like next May and I can have a some yeah and I feel bad for you Kaylee how you don't have like normal senior year like that's something that I really want but I don't know if I'm gonna get it and I feel bad for the class of 2021 especially you guys are getting barely anything. Mm -hmm. I mean I have to say my school has done a really nice job of still making senior year special we've had all of our normal senior traditions so far albeit in a in an altered way so like one of our things is um, road painting where we all spray paint the senior parking lot and we all dress up in white and spray paint each other. And so we were still able to have that. We had to be broken up into four groups, um, randomized, which, you know, is unfortunate because you want to be with all your friends, but we were still able to have that. And like even our tradition of like chalking the school the night before, which is technically we're not supposed to do, like everyone went and everyone was still masked, which was really great. I didn't and not everyone went, but a lot of people went and everyone was masked, which was again, really nice to see that people actually cared. And um, we have like this tradition where we take a photo on the field with a drone in the shape of our class. So normally like last year, they just made a 20. So this year we're broken up into four groups and we each made a letter or a number of 2021. And next week we're going on our senior forum trip, which is like a field trip. And so it's not the normal trip that they do. They usually do, it's a two day, over a few months thing in these different places and so they had to change it and again we'll be broken up into groups but it's been really nice to have those things even though they're not definitely as perfect as we want to and you know hopefully if the vaccine comes out by May like I, I thought I saw it did then like we'll be able to have a prom and everything because our prom is not until uh, June anyways so I definitely feel for everyone else in class of 2021 especially like the college applications process with not being able to visit and stuff is hard but um, you know, hopefully this is just another thing that we can get through and, you know, come out the other end. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, it's funny how you mentioned that. Like, I know that I don't think my school is doing, like, the best job of, you know, prioritizing the seniors. Um, I'd say I'm not a senior, so I don't really know exactly, but um, from what it sounds like they aren't, they, on Halloween, they made goodie bags for all the seniors, like, like a bunch of, like, food and random things, and one girl goes, oh, so this is their way of saying, sorry, your life sucks. Here's some chips and gum, and so, like, she was kind of being a little sarcastic about it, but, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, um, 
I saw this thing saying like at least you're not like being drafted for a war or things like that or living in the Great Depression and things like that. So I'm like, okay, so there are things to be lucky about. You are just mm-hmm. sitting at home, you know, doing school. And of course, there's definitely struggles with that and, you know, mental health, things like that. But at least, you know, think about the positive side. And and this is what you're saying about prom. I remember in freshman year, I was like super excited for like junior prom and like, mm-hmm. I don't like, I'm, and like seeing like all like my junior and senior friends prom pictures and then of course last year didn't happen so I wonder if like you know I don't wonder if the class of 2021 is going to get a prom at all because they didn't even get a junior prom like class of 2020 and if my class would get a senior prom or a junior prom that would be interesting yeah so my school only has a senior prom we don't even have a junior prom so that was like something that I didn't miss out on last year which was of course nice but yeah I mean obviously everyone's struggles affect them differently even you know it's hard to compare everyone's struggles and things like that even though you can you can try to compare but you know everything affects everyone differently but I have to say that like for all of the smack talk I talk about my school sometimes to friends and stuff I have to say they've been doing a really great job through like this whole pandemic I think I was mentioning before we started recording I think in my entire district which is two elementary schools and one uh, junior senior high school we've had three cases total and they haven't spread anywhere which means they probably got them outside of school so it's been really nice to see all that they're doing. And I know that the administration has had a lot of planning um, that's gone into it and they've gotten a lot of feedback, good and bad. And so I am very grateful for my school and all that they're doing because I know that many schools are not um, going through the same thing right now. Yeah, I definitely agree with that too. Like there are, I think every school is doing it a bit differently. And I think that of course you're seeing ones that work and ones that don't work and you know, like to each is their own as long as the students feel comfortable and the staff feels safe that's kind of the big important thing of course as well um and it's very important i think to to keep in mind that like this will pass right because like because i'm like i think covid fatigue is a term that i see being brought up now i think it's always been around but like brought up a lot more now like we're going to the holidays we're going into seasons and festivities and like just keep like pushing through and being safe and like knowing that like, there will be an end date to this as much as there was a start date to this. So, like one day like we all live in a world where COVID is not a problem. And I think that's just, that's the hope that I cling on to for sure when it comes to this stuff of like, you know, soon enough and eventually like it will pass and it will come to a time when people are, where we don't have to worry about it. Where like we can look back on this in retrospect as like an event with a start date and an end date, right? And so I think that's really interesting and really what I cling on to for hope for sure. And then with this vaccine, right? To see that companies, people, corporations, people in office and power, and even just like average people, medical workers, essential workers are working to make this better, to make everybody's lives better, to make this pandemic better. And so I think that's really cool. And just another important thing I think about and to keep thinking about. Yeah. I saw this um, TikTok that was like, what if you could go back to like before March 13th and like COVID never happened, would you like want to? And like all your memories from this whole time would be erased. And I was like, well, you know, of course I would want to live in a COVID free time, but at the same time I made like so many good memories over quarantine that I don't know if I'd, how I'd feel about erasing all those. Like for example, if it weren't for COVID, I probably would have never like heard about Fiveable and this probably would have never happened. And um, things like I like finally like sort of discovered who my true friend group was and you know, things like that. Like, you know, like what I like things like I learned, like simply simple things like that. And um, 
I definitely made a lot of fun memories during COVID. Like my, um, like I was able to spend a lot more time with like my family and stuff that I hadn't been able to do in the past. Um, so like, you know, going, going on walks, which at the same time, like it, it definitely was like annoying at first, but now I'm sort of grateful that I had that time. So yeah, this definitely, um, of course it's very weird, but you know, I am semi grateful to COVID slightly, like the very slightest gratefulness for COVID, but yeah, there's silver linings. I, I agree with that. I think I'd say no to that proposition. I've grown so much as a human, like mentally, physically, like I just feel like I have, I'm going to come out as I think a different person. And like these projects, getting to know you guys, getting to, to create these podcasts, to work with Fiveable, to work on school, to learn to have a better like work-life balance. Like these are all lessons that I learned in quarantine, even like stuff like BLM. Like I didn't know a lot about that until I had to just be alone in my house and like on staring to the news all day and like really learning about that stuff and like seeing these things that go on like I think I definitely learned and changed a lot and to that I don't want to give that up really yeah I was telling my um friend also like you know like the, how the whole Black Lives Matter movement sort, sort of like rose up so much again this year I was telling my friend like I wonder if that would have happened if this were a normal year if people weren't like necessarily cooped up in their houses like you know like it's so sort of like so good that you know like this sort of like was like the only topic of discussion in a sense back in June and back in um like I think it was May and June when like this certainly started like taking a big hold again um because of course it's something you'd always hear but never to this extent and never to the same way like these protests and same way that it happened this year. Like, I wonder if Black Lives Matter would have been like a topic of discussion in every household the same way it would have been if it were like 2019 that George Floyd was, you know, killed. So I, just things like that. Like, I wonder if things would happen the same during a COVID free time. For sure, yeah. I mean, not to completely switch gears, but I do have a story that's like completely unrelated, um, but still like a fun story. So. This one, I kind of wanted to do something that was like not in the mainstream media because I feel like we've been talking about a lot of mainstream things. Not that they're bad, of course, we need to uh, discuss this as well, but this one's like kind of a random one. Um, there's a mountain retreat. Oh, no, sorry, a retreat. Um, no, there's, <laughs> let me try that for the third time. Um, there's a dog mountain resort retreat type thing in Vermont, um, in St. Jonesbury, Vermont. It's 150 acres, it's open year round for free. Um, it has swimming ponds, a dog agility course, canine art gallery, so much more. Um, it's kind of like a sanctuary for dogs and their owners. And as I mentioned, it is free, so anyone can go there. Um, it's all outside, so it's perfect for COVID. Um, and it's most well known for their chapel. So it's this like really pretty chapel and the, and the walls are covered in like notes and remembrances and photos of dogs that have passed. And people kind of go in there to like remember their dogs and celebrate the bonds that they had with them. Um, and all of that. And it's like a really beautiful thing. Of course, you know, it's that kind of thing of a silver lining where it's sad that the, the dogs have passed, of course, but then it's this happy thing seeing this chapel, which is just absolutely covered. We'll definitely put a picture of it on Instagram along with the other key images from this episode, but just like absolutely covered in all these beautiful notes and um, stuff like that. And so it was actually founded, this like resort retreat was founded by S Stephen Hunak. Um, who is an artist that specialized in woodcut prints of dogs. And so he he's kind of like a self-proclaimed dog lover. And so he bought the property with his wife, Gwen, uh, in 1995. And I think the original plan was for it to be an art studio for him, but then it kind of just blossomed into this, you know, dog lover sanctuary. And 
Uh, the couple has unfortunately since passed, but it's now run by a nonprofit called Friends of Dog Mountain, which was created by their friends and family, excuse me. And so the um, sanctuary and resort, whatever you want to call it, retreat, uh, continues to live on in their memory. Um, and so maybe we can even link that nonprofit. I'm not sure if they accept donations or not, but yeah, it's just like a fun story about this fun area. I think if you're in Vermont and you have a dog, you should definitely check it out. Uh, leashes are not required. So, you know, they can kind of just run free and do whatever they want. I personally don't have a dog, but I think this if I did, this would definitely be a place I'd want to go. That's beautiful. Like I, like I, you're saying like looking on the pictures, it is really beautiful. And like, that's very cool. It's very fun to see these places to kind of to, to remember, right? Because there can be a celebration of life in like these, you know, animals, friends. And I think it's really cool to just have this thing of like, because I love sticky note projects and like they're all cool and they're very vibrant. And so it's just, it's really neat to see this. Also, I love stained glass windows. And so there's also a lot of stained glass windows in this picture, which is also beautiful. Oh, I didn't even see the seats were like, had like wooden dogs on the side. Yeah, That's yeah. even cooler. There's so much detail as you look into this, like the more you mm-hmm. look around. But I love it. I do like, I'm glad, I kind of like this. Like, I miss just going to thegoodnewsnetwork.com. Great website. Check yeah. it out always. But like, it is fun to find the small things and to really like to relish in these little things and these like smaller, mm-hmm. not hidden beauties. Like, it looks like, judging by the number of sticky notes, a lot of people know about this. But like, it's cool to go kind of to look around and look at this small stuff and like these cool things that are just really like personal and really heartwarming. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I kind of forgot that we were recording today and it was like 1.30 and I needed a story and you guys had both taken stories that I had in mind because of course there were, you know, more popular ones. And so I was kind of just scrolling on Good News Network and I wanted something because I knew we were going to be talking about Alex Trebek, which is of course a little bit sad. So I wanted something that was, you know, just random and happy because a lot of these stories kind of come from things that are things that were bad and have good things come out with them, which is, you know, a really great thing to see. And that's kind of what this podcast is all about, just like finding the good. But um, I was really excited to see this one because it was just so random and so, you know, just uplifting. And I love a good animal story, of course. So, yeah. Heck yeah. Love good animal stories. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a dog either. I've always wanted a dog, but um, I, I, I love looking at puppies. So I definitely, would, like, I don't know if you can just visit there if you don't have a puppy and just like go around and have everyone's dog. Do that. I would totally do that. Um, but yeah, like that sort of reminds me of like, you know, like places where you can do like goat yoga, like things mm-hmm. that, you know, like things with animals and just, just a whole different way. Mm-hmm. I think that that's so awesome. Um, I I know my mm-hmm. friends are saying like, the, like, you know, there's like a lot of places like dog hotels and stuff. Where mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's places where they can, if a dog hotel means you can bring a dog there or if the dog stays there while you're like, well, you go on vacation. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I know my friends have put their dog in like a dog hotel here. I think dog hotels are like where you send the dog when you're like on vacation because there's, I feel like hotels where you can't have dogs are called dog friendly, but I could be wrong. But yeah, to your point, I think that this is somewhere you can go even if you don't have a dog because the title, the word for word title of the article is this Vermont mountain retreat is a mecca for dogs and dog lovers across the world so I'm assuming dog lovers apply to anyone even if they don't have a dog so I feel like this is definitely a cool place to go I don't know if you get the full experience if you don't have a dog because a lot of the things are centered for dogs but I still think it'd be a really fun place to go and just check out absolutely yeah that's a cute story I love that it's a very cute story 
kind of tangentially related but similar i've been being talk about this um just thinking about dogs and animals i currently have a like stray cat living in our garage and so like two weeks ago i think my mom and i were like driving back from like a hike and it's kind of like sitting in the car like in the driveway and like we hear like a meow and i didn't even think it was meow at first and i go out and there's just like small kitten just like meowing like outside of like like right next to our house and just like like it looked like like kitten very small alone there was no collar no nothing and so we eventually like got it food and like got it into like we were looking for it at night to like you know make sure that it wouldn't go anywhere and we heard it muffled and we opened up the car like the car engine of my dad's car and the like cat's in the engine and so we eventually like pick her up and put her in our garage and we just have had this stray cat in our house now for like two and a half weeks and it's just like I think we're all growing really attached to it. We don't really know what to do. We took her to a bed and we just kind of have her now, but it's been really fun to like, because we don't have a cat during quarantine right now, like having any animals, like just in COVID, like we, like my grandma, I think is kind of like looking after our cat right now, just because. And so um, it's been good to have like an animal again. It's just to kind of to interact with that. And it's just kind of a fun, like, it was a fun story. It was a fun, like, random occurrence that happened that I think has brought a lot of joy, at least into my life personally. You know that I love that. Um, yeah, we have a lot of cats that, like, oh, this is a funny. Can I tell like a funny story regarding animals? Absolutely. So, um, I had a cello recital outdoors last week. It was on Halloween, and it was super cold that day. It was like forty degrees or something. Like my hands were freezing. So, like, I like my hands were so stiff when playing because they were freezing. Anyway, so I was um on deck for someone. My friend was playing his piece, and he was playing, and then I had to go right after him. So I was sitting in the chair next to him, and so he was playing his piece, and then middle of his piece we suddenly hear so much barking so much barking and gets progressively louder and louder through the backyard where the uh, recital is happening uh, we see like a little like brown dog it wasn't very big chasing a small kitten like they're just running through barking super loudly it was just the funniest thing ever and he just stops for a minute stops playing we see plays cello too and then he just continues, whereas I was just literally dying laughing because like the circumstances were just so bad. Like I was super cold. And then that's just something so funny that happens, like this dog chasing a little cat. Then the dog wasn't even that big. It was just like two little animals chasing each other through a yard. It was just funny. Incredible. But, yeah, I like I like cats also. And I feel like a lot of people are like dogs or cat people. Like I feel like I'm a dog person, but I still like cats a lot. Um, my cello teacher has two cats. So um whenever I go to her house for a lesson, one of her cats always comes and sits in my cello case, and I think it's the cutest thing ever. Oh yeah, the world is wide enough for both. Yeah. I'm like very much a dog person. I don't really like cats. <laughs> not, to, not to bring some negativity to the table, but I'm definitely a dog person. But like, I can appreciate the cuteness of cats. I just, I prefer dogs. Yeah. My two, um, my like two of my best friends who are twins, they have um, a dog who they rescued from a while back. And then this year in like, I think February, they got a cat. And apparently they're, I mean, they're both animals are really small and apparently they're still not friends. Like the dog mm. always likes to bark at the cat and stuff. And I just think it's funny. I haven't met the kitten yet because I haven't been to their house in a long time, but um, I their dog's really cute, but she's a little, like the dog's a little moody. So I can see why she doesn't like the cat. <laughs> yeah that's great I love animal stories I feel like are a staple of this show and I love it so much yeah, yeah. Wait, I have a cute picture of their cat once I want to see Ooh. 
Wait. Oh, where is it? Oh, here it is. See, this is their cat resting on her computer laptop during class. Yes. Aww. That's so cute. And then um, there's another one of her, um, her sitting in her chair in her room. So she wasn't able. But my friend was like, I, I'm so glad that the teacher didn't call on me because she was just sitting on my laptop the entire time. <laughs> I don't know if you can see this one, but um, that she has like a little like chair in her room and the cat just kind of goes and snuggles in there. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Name's Mocha. Mocha. Oh, that's that's a great cat name. Yeah. All right. Do we have our last thing to talk about? The last thing. Pretty big thing. Good news or bad news? It's historical, and I feel like it's pretty mm-hmm. important. So we have the election and <laughs> everything that came out of that and the weird week that that was. And oh, yes. Yeah. And Currently, I mean, at least right now, things are saying that Joe Biden has won, which is cool and pretty just momentous in general. Like, it's just very new and that's super exciting to see. Yeah, um, so I want to talk a little bit about Kamala Harris. So I think that's pretty cool. You know, the first female vice president, Mm -hmm. the first South Asian vice president, and the first Black vice president, I think. So yeah, that's pretty, pretty awesome. And um, as someone who is South Asian and Indian, and, um, you know, I've always like looked up to her and looked up to like all like, you know, our South Asian representatives in Congress, because like, that's definitely something that I've always wanted to do. And, you know, I when I first heard about her nomination by Joe Biden, like, you know, as her, as his running mate back in August, I was like, oh, this is cool, you know, like, but I didn't really put that much thought into it. And then now that she, like, you know, now that they won, that's pretty cool having an Indian person in the White House. That's um, something that's pretty amazing to me and definitely very historic. And we're just waiting for the day we have our first female president now. Yeah, yeah I mean, as another, I mean, I am white, so I, I don't know. Really, I've seen lots of people with my skin color in the White House, but not a female, obviously. And I remember being in like first or kindergarten, whenever Obama was elected and people were talking about like uh, when there was gonna be the first woman president. And I remember thinking like, oh, maybe that will be me. I've since learned that I do not wanna be in politics. and That's not really the path for me, but just the fact that, you know, I thought that it would take until I was, you know, 35 plus to see a woman in the White House is kind of crazy to think about because that's so long and it really shouldn't take that long. So I think, you know, political opinions aside, there are some things that are so much bigger than the partisan divide. And this is definitely one of them, a huge win for women and people of color across the country. And I think it's something that, you know, we should all celebrate. Again, it was definitely a uh, tumultuous election and definitely a very dividing one. But I think, again, some things are just bigger than your political beliefs and this is definitely one of those yeah I mean similarly I I was very um I don't know how else to put this but obsessed with Barack Obama when I was like in probably like second grade um like probably close to like the 2012 election and um I like wrote him a letter actually like and then he like responded like it was probably like a generic student response thing he's like was it was type it was too dear student but it was still pretty cool you know especially to third grade me um but I and also I feel like most of my fascination and wanting to become president was because I um, read like you know books where it would talk about like how the 
president has like a private chocolatier and like his own bowling alley and movie theater. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I want that. So to be fair, like it probably wasn't necessarily because I was interested that much in politics. And at the same time, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to run for president. And I can't run for president because I wasn't born in the United States. But uh, I think that's still pretty cool that, you know, an Indian South Asian woman, and uh, though now we're waiting to see like more diversity in like, you know, other places in the White House. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. It's very, very cool and very fun to see. And yeah, it's very happy. And it's fun. Um, yeah, it's cool that um, it's cool that even like even if it was a student response that uh, President Obama got back to your letter. I really like that. And like autographed pictures. It was, like, I still have I still have it um, somewhere. Like, I don't That's I incredible. Think that's in my room. I think the actual letter and stuff is in my basement, but it's still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I, also. Sorry. I know. Go ahead. I think also this election was historic in terms of like uh, just lower level offices like Congress. I don't know how low level you consider Congress, but like mm-hmm. below the president, like I think there was a transgender representative or senator, someone from Delaware, I think. And then also like Sarah, um, there was, I, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah something. Yeah. And I think there was like in New York, like a, a black, the first black and openly gay something. I just got a phone call and it sent it. Oh yeah, that's you good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I know there was a bunch of I saw an infographic or something, and I wish I remembered exactly. But there were a bunch of like historic seats and Sarah positions filled mm-hmm, um, yeah. with this election, and so I just think it's so great to see um, just like a more diverse government. I think that that's so important, and also a huge shout out to every single newscaster um, <laughs> who covered that you know five day election. I personally, because I'm taking GoPro right now, government and politics. Um, AP government and politics, I um, was paying very close attention to the polls because that's something we talk about a lot in our class is just like current events. Um, and so I, every single night I was watching the news, you know, nonstop. And then of course they called the race when I was in a dance class and had stopped watching, but you know, you're seeing the same guys and women on there for multiple days in a row, especially the people at the the boards. Cause I watched a bunch of different um, channels. So like the people, the, I don't know what they're called, but like the, the election map boards and they, you know, come up with all the different scenarios. Like they were, I think I heard that John King from CNN had like five hours of sleep total. I could, no, there's no way that's right. But wild. <laughs> I know yeah, they were like, getting minimal sleep and stuff like that. And so just a huge shout out to every single person who covered the election, because, you know, without them, we would not have gotten the information so quickly. Yeah, no, they were up there for like, it was nearly 24 hours in the beginning. That was, yeah, shout out to news anchors. Shout out to those people like keeping up and to inform people, to inform all of us. Like, that's crazy. And that's very cool. So it's a big momentous occasion. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it was Steve Kornacki. They like forced him. He's from MSNBC and he was doing the thing. And they like literally forced him to uh, take a break and get some sleep because he had been (laughs) at it for so long. Yeah, no, I thought I saw even like SNL was like even making fun of that, of like how just the news anchors like I've had two hours of sleep in seven days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. It's very, it's cool. It's kind of crazy to see like those jobs. I think are even more stressful than like because mm-hmm. I think like on camera kind of looks like oh yeah, you're just telling people stories, but like behind the scenes, so much is going on there. Mm-hmm. And especially with the election, they have to like there's especially in the days where you're kind of just waiting for some states to count their votes there's not much to talk about but they were doing 24 7 coverage because obviously anything could happen in a moment and so kind of trying to figure out what you're going to talk about when there's not much to talk about at all and you know 
especially I keep coming back to the people at the fancy smart boards because like to me and that was like one of the most entertaining parts like I know all the all of the key counties now but like just coming up with all these different election scenarios and like doing the math off the top of your head I think is very impressive and definitely again a high pressure job that people I don't think realize absolutely yeah all right are we think ready to get into to wrap time I have no idea how long it's gone for but this was very fun very cool episode so where can we find you guys where are places in the world on the internet and anywhere else that we can find you what are your plugs um, I well I'm on Instagram but I'm also private on Instagram <laughs> but I mean, I'm Kaylee Richmond underscore if you were so inclined to follow me and you really want to see what's going on and if you if you request to follow me and shoot me a dm and be like i found you from the podcast i'd probably accept your follow request but i don't think people are that interested in following me i i recently been posting but i honestly usually don't post that much in a year anyways not much going on from my end but yeah i can't think of anything else to plug right now but that that's it for for now mm-hmm. well you need to act like you're famous kaylee like <laughs> One, I'm a social media influencer. Yes, yeah. your Lightning McQueen costume. Use my promo incredible. code for ten percent. Thank you. Yeah, I was. Um, you can see my Halloween costumes on my Instagram. I was Lightning McQueen one night and JoJo Siwa the other. Oh yeah, I love your um, JoJo Siwa costume. That was really thank cool. you. That was very last minute. Um, I wasn't sure if we were gonna if I was gonna like hang out with my friends for a second night, and so then we did. And I was originally going to be a Trader Joe's bag where I like made a dress out of a Trader Joe's bag. And then I was like, this is too hard. So I just, I actually repurposed a costume I had last year as a hydro flask. And so I had the same silver shorts. I turned my pink tube top around so you couldn't see the hydro flask that I had ironed onto it. And I took this box of bows that my sister had in her room and I put it all over a jean jacket. And that was, that was that. It's pretty creative. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. I was, um, my friend and I ended up being, um, because we were originally going to be like Among Us characters with like the little ski goggles mm-hmm. and it was super cold. So we were both wearing winter jackets. We ended up becoming just skiers and she, mm-hmm. she's a Nordic skier. So she had poles. So we'd like put those on for pictures and we like, got the masks and everything. It also like, made sense because, you know, with yeah. the masks, was like, you know, like you wear, usually people wear ski masks. So yeah, I match. I need you to match my mask to my outfit. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I, I already had a, a checkered Lightning McQueen mask that worked perfectly with my costume. And then um, you can't, I'm picture I'm holding it in my hand because I was uh, posing by myself, but it was like a tie dye pink and yellow mask. So, for my JoJo Siwa one. So, I mean, obviously, Halloween's over and hopefully we won't have to do this for next Halloween, but like, you can match your mask to your costume. And like, that's yeah. just like another like level. My mask to like my outfits that I wear. Like, if I'm wearing a pink shirt, I'll wear like a pink mask or something like that like I I usually match I don't I know that's probably like extra but yeah no saying I like I have like a whole pile of masks that I keep right by my schoolwork stuff because for some reason that's like the last place I go before I leave and like I always keep wanting more because I'm like oh well I need this one to match this outfit I'm like "Mm, I do I really need more yeah do you have any good like cloth mask recommendations I saw Carter like told me but yeah because I need some cloth masks I only wear like like doctor kind of masks because that's what my mom dentist so I just have a lot of those um I got the pink and tie-dye one that I got from that I wore with my Jojo Siwa costume I got from American Eagle so they had like a mask and it came with a matching scrunchie which like I really didn't need the scrunchie but um I also really like that mask and then I have some mask up here <laughs> yeah 
I got this other one from Etsy, which I really liked. And the Lightning Queen mask, I honestly really did not like. I got it from Redbubble, not the Bash Redbubble, but their masks are not the greatest. I got two Lightning Queen masks from them. And they're just like, they're not my favorite quality mask. But honestly, Target has really good ones. And I've heard Old Navy has good ones. I haven't tried any of those, but yeah. Yeah, because I got some off Amazon and they weren't that great. So I want to... Wow, like no, I got, I got one from Amazon, but they were really big, but you can get these like mask things that like go on the straps. And things, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely recommend getting some of those. Yeah. yeah. I, the ones I got from Amazon, like two, because it was a pack of five and two of them were good quality, but they were way too big. And then the other three were just like literally so bad. Like I, I tried that candle thing and they like all blew mm-hmm. out the candle. Like it's like, what's the point in this? It's like not doing yeah. anything. Yeah. I think we got something like Nordstrom or Nordstrom Rack too. And like those were kind of like they had like the like metal line over your nose so it kind of fits your face well. Those were nice. Mm-hmm. They were yeah, kind of like silkier. I'm going to yeah. try to get some because like before I didn't really get any because like I didn't really know how long masks were going to mm-hmm. last. But it seems like it's going to be a more permanent thing now. So I want to get. Also, I saw, I saw some people wearing like Christmas. Like my cello teacher has so many masks. Like I think it's because she like, I think her family members and stuff have sewed them. But she literally had Halloween ones. She has Christmas ones now. She has like music ones like with music notes on them and like all these different colors and patterns. And I'm like, how? Like I literally don't have any cloth of this. I have Christmas masks coming in the mail and I'm so excited for them. I definitely want to order some holiday masks. I feel like that'd be fun. My sister had a Halloween one. It was like it was like a red mask and it had things on it, but I did not get any Halloween ones, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Saisha, do you have anything to plug? Um, well, as you guys might know, I have a another podcast, Brown Girls Rising. Um if y'all want to go check that out, the Instagram is at Brown Girls Rising Pod. We just hit 1,800 followers, which is pretty cool. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Heck huge. yeah. So yeah, um, I release episodes every other Wednesday if you guys want to go check that out. And similar to Kaylee, my Instagram is also private. If you want to follow me or not, that's up to you. It's just at Saisha Gupta, which is my name. Um, I don't know if I would accept your follow request if you're a random person, but we'll see how that goes. Sorry. No, that's fair. Laugh, but um. We'll see if you let me know if you're from the podcast, but um, yeah, go check that out. And um, what else do I have to plug? And then obviously follow our positivity Instagram at positivity.podcast, I think is what it is. I think we're at like, I don't know how many followers are at, but we're at like a decent amount. So I just checked. I think we're at like two, a little over 200. Oh, nice. Yeah, oh, nine. That's pretty good. That's great. Cool. And we also have a fall logo now, which is pretty cool. Thanks to Campbell. Yes, thank you, Campbell. Campbell Deepkin does our logo. She did the awesome Halloween one. She's done the other one. She, We have more secret, special, other holiday logos for the next few months. And I love them so much. They make me so happy. The new, the like, but I love the fall logos. Very fun, very cool. Mm, oh, yeah. And I saw the Christmas one. That's really cute, too. You guys yeah. Okay, when's yes. the best time to start listening to Christmas music, guys? Whenever you need to, is what yes. I've learned. <laughs> There's such a huge debate on like whether it should be November 1st or Thanksgiving my, or like... My mom has always been like, we're not listening to Christmas music till December. But, uh, you know, I 
think it was last week, last Monday, I was having a really bad day. And so I listened to Christmas music on the way to school and then my day became great. So, you know, again, mm-hmm. whenever you need to, I think it's appropriate. Yeah, whatever your mental health demands. <laughs> I know, I love listening to Christmas music in July. Like, I don't know if that's so random, but you know, Christmas in July is a thing, right? It is. Um, anyways, oh my gosh, it's almost four o'clock. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> This has been an episode for the books. Yeah. Otherwise, I think I have some new fun things coming. Check out the Student Council podcast. We might have some new stuff there soon enough. Yeah, our our own Instagram is positivity.podcast. We have a Facebook group called Positivity. We have an email called positivitypodcast2020 at gmail.com. Again, our editing is done by Chesi Uchi and Lillian Morrison. Our graphics are done by Campbell Deepkin. As we said, this has been a teacup of positivity. I have been Carter Dvorak with Saisha Gupta and Kaylee Richman. And have a great time until next week. Bye. Thank you for listening. Bye.